Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. I want to talk today about self-care. We're all familiar, if you've had any background in the church, with this greatest commandment of Jesus that we read today from Matthew. And that is, essentially, it's the entire gospel boiled down to one phrase, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we preach a lot in churches and talk a lot about loving our neighbor and the importance of it, the difficulty of it. But what we rarely do, and I believe why Sherry asked for this sermon topic to be addressed, we rarely talk about what does it mean to really love ourselves? Why don't ministers, for example, preach on that part very often? Now, I remember not too long ago preaching a sermon on the dangers of self-love was the phrase I used. And one angry member in our discussion that followed yelled, we need more self-love, not less. It's really easy to confuse the wording of self-love and loving ourselves. So for me, it's been always better to think in terms of the difference between being selfish and having self-care. We're, we're supposed to reduce our selfishness, but we are supposed to take care of ourselves. Jesus connects the two teachings by saying you really cannot love others if you don't love yourself. And the flip side, of course, is, is all you do is focus on yourself. You can't love others either. We have to both love ourselves and we have to love others. We have to have self-care in our spiritual life. This topic of self-care, I think, comes at a pretty good time in our year. Uh, here in Washington, where I am right now, the boards are back up on all the buildings uh, prepared for the elections. The tension is very high. Police seem to be everywhere. Um, and the depression and anxiety that people were fearing, you know, feeling even before the pandemic, well, after, you know, this year of the pandemic and now rates going back up, you can just feel people like, oh, oh no, here we go again. What's winter going to be like? Um, and then uh, people who have been seeking counselors and therapists report three-week waits at best. So the idea of taking care of ourselves in this turbulent time makes a lot of sense. Add to that that today is All Saints Day. Last night was Halloween. But it was also the day that uh, we turned our clocks back. And I found fascinating reading from a friend of mine who's a psychologist that that changing of the clocks that we do has really radical impacts on people's sleeping patterns. And so that can also uh, get into the mix. So there's, there's a lot going on, and this is a good time for us to focus on a topic of self-care. So I wondered why ministers don't often speak of the importance of it, why we don't tie self-care 
together with loving others as a spiritual principle. And then I came across some statistics about my field of ministry, and the data was pretty alarming. This is data on ministers. 75% of ministers report being, quote, extremely stressed. 90% work, uh, work over 55 hours a week. 90% feel fatigued and worn out. 70% say they're grossly underpaid. 78% were forced, have been forced to resign from their church because of a conflict. 91% experienced some form of burnout. 18% uh, said they were actually fried to a crisp right now. 53% uh, said that they didn't get any prep for this in seminary. 44% um, of pastors don't take a day off. 31% do no exercise at all. And 70% of ministers report constantly fighting depression. So maybe the answer to why we ministers don't preach on this is because we ourselves haven't really figured out healthy ways to live out self-care. For people who love to be caregivers and enjoy helping other people, we can all often think that this idea of self-care will just fall into place. If we're just nice to people and love others, the Lord will protect us and take care of us and you know, we have nothing to worry about. But the reality is the taking care of ourselves is a spiritual practice and it's as important as loving others. It has to be balanced. I remember growing up and reading a parable in the book, The Giving Tree, by Sal Silverstein. It was very popular with children. And it's a bit of a parable for me about how uh, caretakers often don't take care of themselves. The story is about a, a child playing with a tree, and the tree um, has these incredible branches, and the, and the child gets to play in the branches. The tree has leaves. The little boy can jump in the leaves. Um, the, the tree is fun for climbing, and, the, and, it, and at each part of the story, the, the tree is happy to be of service to this boy. But eventually, as the boy grows up to be a man, he chops down the tree for wood. And at the very end of the story, there's nothing left but a stump. And the old man now, the boy is now an old man, he sits on it as a bench. And the story is the tree was happy. This book became something of a par parable of how we can keep giving of ourselves, but it raises the question of how many generations of children never get to play in those leaves or climb those branches or eat the fruit. You know, there is no next generation because that tree has now essentially been destroyed. And that's often how caregivers can be. We can end up being tree stumps, happy to be of service, but we don't have a lot to give. This level of stress can impact our ability to care and love for others. Ask me for help or support when I'm stressed out and you'll get one answer. Ask me for support when I'm at peace and I'm calm and rested and you'll get a very different answer. So it does impact how we respond. We cannot love others if we don't love ourselves. But some truly caring people Real givers have figured out this self-care, in my experience. Uh, I've been coaching for 15 years, and I've really noticed how many givers, people who are always giving, the really 
successful ones have figured out how to manage self-care as well. And I thought I'd share just 10 strategies that they have, uh, I've seen among a number of those folks with you. And I'd be curious to hear if you have a strategy as well. One is that they look at life as a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, they have a vision of the long term. Everything is not about tomorrow. It's, there's a longer plan involved. They keep perspective on the stresses of today. And they have a strategy, often long term, to see things resolved. The second thing is they really guard their time. They're ruthless at managing it. Uh, when you're with them, you have no idea how busy, busy they are because they're very present in the moment. But I've noticed they have an ability to say no to unimportant things. The ability to create boundaries may be their greatest superpower. And it's been pointed out to me that when we say yes to something that we really want to say no to, it's often out of fear, not love, that people will think less of us if we don't do this or that. They remind themselves that uh, the people that they're dealing with are all God's children, but they know that they have to preserve their strength, their time, so that they can be there again for the marathon. I've also noticed that they are very good at limiting social media. This might be a more current thing, but these caregivers uh, monitor their intake of news and social media, and they don't spend hours and hours on it. Um, pointing out to me, they find it very um, soul-sucking and depressing to get too wrapped up in that world. The other four, pretty straightforward, but not often mentioned in churches, they exercise. They understand the connection between the mind, body, and spirit, but the importance of the physical body. They invest time in taking care of their physical body. Um, to a person, they all seem to walk every day, and they find other ways to keep the body moving. Sleep. These folks really prioritize sleep almost over anything else. They know that if their body fails, uh, their ability to serve on earth fails. So the, uh, they very often use increased sleep as their first line of defense against illness or stress. Diet. Uh, they're very aware what food goes into their body. Um, one funny story about Swedenborg is that in one of his first mystical engagements, a messenger said to him, don't eat so much. Um, think about that. He's getting all this mystical download, and they're worried about him eating too much. Uh, I often think to myself, how many of us would get that message? Don't eat so much. Um, Swedenborg himself became a vegetarian, but what we eat impacts our stamina. Uh, I personally took one small step uh, toward uh, improving my diet this week by, for the first time, sitting down with a nutritionist on Friday, and um, I'm looking forward to you know, changing my diet and seeing some results. The other thing they do well is delegate. Uh, they prioritize their care. They know what they can do uniquely well, and they know what others can do, and they ask for help. Um, that's hard, particularly, I think, for ministers. But they know that if they uh, share the load with other people, they can focus on what's uniquely their gift. Um, along the lines of saying no, they are not concerned with what other people think. Uh, these folks realize that we spend so much time wasted over concerns of what other people are thinking, 
only to discover they're not really thinking about us all that much anyway. They don't really care. Another area that I, that I um, noticed that I, I'd love to learn more about myself is breathing. Uh, those that are really uh, knowledgeable in this space of self-care really have developed uh, exercises in breathing. Uh, one simple one that they have mentioned to me was just breathing in through your nose for four seconds and then breathing out through your mouth for 10. And try that at home. Already my body feels calmer. So breathing has emerged as one of these very powerful strategies for self-care. Of course, in Eastern religions, it's really part of the faith path. But in the West, we've focused so much on books and knowledge in the mind that we often forget about incorporating the body and our breathing. And I just read one study that said Americans, modern Americans, breathe so poorly um, that we are, uh, with stress, constantly putting our body in a state of alert and alarm. Uh, there's no calm and that actually uh, puts a pressure on your heart and lowers your immune system. Swedenborg uh, was given the title by D.T. Suzuki, famous uh, spiritual leader, Buddhist, as the Buddha of the North, because he pioneered breathing exercises that allowed him to enter spiritual states. Um, wouldn't it be cool if Swedenborgian churches taught breathing for spiritual resilience and insight? Instead, we often rent our, our spaces out to yoga studios who focus on just that. And finally, uh, the tenth point that I wanted to make was they, they really do develop their spiritual life. They realize that there's a physical life and a spiritual life that they're very important to take care of that physical body when you're going through this world, but focusing solely on that will not lead to happiness. Um, they, they prioritize uh, meditation, journaling, prayer. They find time to come to worship each week as you have today. And um, scientifically proven, people who attend a, a worship service each week are um, much happier than the rest of the culture. This effort to learn something new, to hear something, to share concerns, to be worried about other people's concerns, maybe sometimes you're just coming to support the pastor. All that energy is quite transformative. So people with self-care, uh, they have very uh, a positive narrative about their life. I find they're very honest of what's going on and what might happen, but they are positive. They have strategies for moving beyond negative thoughts that we all have at various times. Taking care of ourselves is of critical importance to our spiritual life. In the story of Genesis, God gave us a Sabbath and told us to recharge. Jesus very often in the Gospels tells, uh, we're told, leaves the crowd to have some downtime. And then, of course, I mentioned Swedenborg uh, engaged in deep breathing exercises and spent many, many hours alone to focus and regenerate. So how about you? We've spoke about some ideas. What can you do to improve your own self-care? Um, maybe it's a massage this week. Uh, maybe it's a day off from any calls or any activity. Um, maybe it's sleeping in, which uh, actually for me, that's one of my favorites, is getting a little extra sleep can really help me. Um, changing your perspective, uh, imagining a positive resolution to a stressful situation can reset your mind. Um, 
planning out your little bit of exercise that you're going to do, um, spending your time asking uh, you know, the angels and the Lord for guidance in your life. Maybe it's committing to eating in a way that energizes your, your body, or you could practice breathing. And then also, what are you going to stop doing? Uh, what is the th is, are there things in your life that you need to say no to? That's equally important and very hard, very often. So my question for you is, what can you do this coming week to really love yourself? To really love yourself is necessary for loving others. So this week, I invite you with all the stresses of the world that are out there, take care of yourself and seek the Lord's help. With the Lord's help, we will be able to truly take care of ourselves and then truly love others. Amen. Looking forward to the discussion time after the service for anybody who wants to stay. I'd love to hear your strategies that you might have developed. But at this time, uh, we pass our virtual offering plate. So if you're able to give either online or if you'd like to send a check to the church, I invite you, you to do that. Uh, really very, very much appreciated as we seek to be a sustainable operation ourselves. And uh, I want to shift gears now into our prayer time and ask if there are any prayers from anyone out there and that the rest of us will say at home, Lord, hear our prayer. So if you have something you'd like to pray for, or it's All Saints Day, if there's somebody you'd like to pray for, maybe someone who passed, it's up to you. Whatever you'd like to do, I invite you to uh, open your prayer and we will say, Lord, hear our prayer. Any prayers from the people? Just unmute yourself. Let's see if I hear you, Malcolm. Okay, am I unmuted? You're unmuted. Okay, I'd like to offer a prayer for Ida uh, on All Saints Day. It's almost the second anniversary of her passing on November 10. Lord, Lord hear our prayer. I'd like to offer a prayer for my wife's aunt, Petty, in Hawaii, who is about 95 and uh, just had a stroke. Lord. 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 I'd like to say a prayer for a friend of mine, Steve, who was just diagnosed with esophageal cancer and he's going through chemo and radiation treatment. Lord, Lord, hear our for all the people of France that all the extremism they've experienced ends. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. 
Let us all pray. Lord, we pray that we will be better at loving our neighbor. And give us the ability to love ourselves, to care more for ourselves, both our body and our physical life, and also our spiritual life. Make us better instruments of your peace. Lord, today, on Old Soul, All Saints Day, we pray particularly for those who have transitioned this last year into the spiritual world, and we ask that you guide them, love them, and remind us that we are still connected, and we'll see them again. Lord, we pray at this particular time in the history of our nation as we have an important election coming up. And we ask that there be peace and safety for all involved and that democracy uh, will work for this country. We ask that you use this church in Washington and this community to play the important roles needed to facilitate back the conversation of sides that no longer speak to each other and help us reunite our nation. Lord, we pray the way that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'll now close the word. Thank you, everybody, and if you'd like to stay, we're going to have our discussion time now. So I am going to, if you'd like to have, if you have a question about what was said, or if you have a strategy or insight yourself, please unmute yourself and, or raise your hand and I'll unmute you. Any thoughts about self-care? Rich, I, I have a just a, a part of my childhood that uh, I've wanted to comment on the end of the Matthew verse that we had today. Um, I can remember Ned Hinckley, who was the Swedenborgian pastor at Newtonville for many years when I was a kid, 
and part of the service every week, he would say, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Yes, that's, yeah. that's actually the words of Jesus. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to, that's a beautiful way to, that's a beautiful thing to include in the liturgy. It is the greatest commandment. Yeah. Right. I just caught my eye that it was in, in, the, in our verse today, it was, uh, the, the verb was depend instead of hang, but same meaning. Yes. But hang was a little more vernacular and direct. Yeah. It was. You can kind of feel it hanging. Malcolm? Okay. Uh, I, I might add to the 10 practices that you recounted um, meditation. I uh, take a long time to wake up in the morning, and so I try to put that time to good use when I'm in a kind of narcoleptic state. And what I do to meditate is read every morning one page from Thomas Merton's book, Learning to Love the World, which strikes me as having a very Swedenborgian accent to it. Although he was a Trappist monk, he emphasizes the importance of engaging with the world if we are to be godly people. That's a beautiful strategy. Um, maybe somebody could even, if they like, they could um, find a link to that and put it into the chat. Uh, but that's a that's an excellent strategy, and that is a very spiritual time when you're just waking up. You're in between the two worlds, so that's a really good one. Uh, I like that. I like that too. That's a great one. Anybody else? <laughs> well, I have stretches that I do every morning that uh, uh, were recommended to me by a physical therapist. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.